0: It's Reggie ATL coming to you live from Atlanta, Georgia, here via iTunes, Stitcher, iHeart Radio, Google Play and Spotify. Today I have a very special guest with me today. It's Ryan Hunter-Ray. Ryan, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. So how, uh, how's the city been treating you? How long have you been in Atlanta? Uh, I just flew in actually,
1: uh, but I've come here a couple times a year. I do a race up, up north of uh, Atlanta at Road Atlanta. Mm-hmm. Um, that's in the IMSA series, different series than any car. Uh, it's a 10 hour race. Um, 10 so do, hours, huh? Yeah, with, but, but you do it with other drivers. Nice. So I'm up here for that. And then every year we test here at Barber and um, and the race at Barber. So I always fly into Atlanta. I'm here a lot just based on the fact that I fly Delta all the time. But no, it's really? <laughs> That's just in the airport. <laughs> yeah.
0: You're out of the Delta there, I guess. Mm, yep. Yeah. So, um, how did you, how does one get into Racing Ryan? Being that I'm a kind of person who's even when I'm doing 80 miles per hour on the highway, it causes right. me anxiety. Yeah. How well, did you get into it? The highway's pretty sketchy. I'll, I'll tell you that, but, um. <laughs> I just, you know, I started racing
1: uh, go karts just as kind of a hobby, you know, something fun for my dad and I to do together. Um, we just kind of started locally. What age was that? Uh, 12, which is late. A lot of the guys start like around six. Really? Uh, yeah. Six racing cars. Racing uh, go karts. Really? Yeah. At six? Yep. So started doing it locally kind of as a hobby. And then it, it grew into more and more bigger, you know, getting more sponsors in karting. And, uh, we, we started doing it nationally. And then from there you move up to cars. I, I got sponsored by the Skip Barber Racing School, which is kind of like an entry level deal that mm-hmm. you can do, but I got sponsored by them. And, and that got me into cars, um, started winning races and championships there. And then, you know, it's like a ladder system, just like a baseball or anything would be. You go from, you know, little league to, to whatever high school ball to, um, um, you know, farm league to, to the pros. Well, it's mm-hmm. the same way in IndyCar or in racing. You have to kind of move your way up through it, but it's, uh, it's different because obviously as opposed to stick and ball sports, um, there's a sponsorship side of it, uh, yeah, the financial exactly. side of it, that, that is a, a hindrance. And it, it's tough to kind of navigate that path mm-hmm. over, over the course of a racing career.
0: So did you, when did you start to see that you, cause you said you started around 12. Mm-hmm. When did you, think that you could have a career in this? What did it start to look like? You were pretty good at it.
1: I always wanted it to be a career, but I always was pretty realistic about it thinking that hey, this might not happen. I, you know, the deal was always that I had to do good in school and, um, get the grades. And I, I it's very hard to make it in racing because even guys that have the talent sometimes don't make it because they don't have the sponsorship or right. the funding off the track to, to make it happen. Uh, so I didn't come from a racing family. Um, and you know, I really had to, to work hard at it to really be a businessman off a race track as well, you mm-hmm. know, to be a brand ambassador and to try and get as much support as I could. Um, so yeah, it, it was, like I said, it was a long winding road to get to the top, but, um, I made it at one point I had to get an investor in my career where, uh, I had to pay him back, you know, a lot of money. And so
0: how did that go? Did you get to pitch them like yep. a traditional investor? <laughs> yeah, <I> pitch
1: pitch, <laughs> pitch, quite a few people on it because it was time to, Hey, if I don't make this happen, then I'm going, uh, you know, racing's done. Um, I got to that point. What where was your
0: fallback if you weren't going to be doing racing? I was
1: going to school at university of central Florida. Mm-hmm. Um, I was heading the direction of, um, mechanical engineering, but that was kind of like I, I was doing it because I had such a focus and a, an a interest in racing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then once I got my, my a big, my first real big pro ride um, in what what's called Formula Atlantics, it's like indie Lights, like Indy Junior almost, um, then I I left uh, UCF and, <laughs> and haven't gone back since. So, nice. No, um, that's not, it's it's not a thing. It's been full time. Yeah. So it was close, though, several times it got to within, um, you know, within probably a couple months of of calling it quits and having to focus on um, heading in another direction. How'd you keep your spirit, Ty? I don't know. You just always keep digging. You know, you always keep pushing. And right at the very end when you think it's, you know, it might not work out is when the break comes through. So you just have to be prepared, ready to go. And um, you have to be working harder, I guess, than the next guy.
0: Right, right. That's awesome. So how does one go about practicing in in that? You know, if you're practicing maybe... A lot of people who grow up in other sports, be it baseball, basketball, right. you know, they'll they'll tell stories of dribbling in the middle of the night, you yeah. know, until their hands hurt. How do you how does that manifest itself in racing? Like Great how point.
1: Um, that That's where it is limited as well. Practice. You have to uh, especially now, even in IndyCar, we. We only have what, six or seven closed practice sessions away from race weekends mm-hmm. um, a year just because it's so expensive. Absolutely. Uh, the, engines, the engines only last so long. Tires only last 20 laps, mm-hmm. um, et cetera, et cetera. So it is prohibitively expensive. But when you're a kid karting, you get to have a little bit more track time, but still you're using up tires, burning fuel, the engine mileage and stuff like that. So you have to make the most of the time that you're on on the racetrack. You have to be very conscious of how to improve every time that you get the opportunity to drive one of these carts and um yeah that that's basically it i i was always very focused on on preparing the carts as well i worked on them and uh you know it was all about it was all about racing i mean i missed i missed my graduation i missed prom i missed uh homecoming i missed which sounds now in in you know retrospect sounds that's yeah, no big deal, yeah, but at right. the time, Tribunal, but major at the time, at the time, it felt like it was a big deal. It's <laughs> like, man, what am I doing? Uh, but yeah, it, it's, it's definitely, um, I think I have the best job in the world. I'm very appreciative and very, uh, very
0: happy with the fact that I get to do what I love for a living. I think that's, that's,
1: that's, something that's, that's very rare. So
0: yeah, but it should be everybody's ultimate goal. Absolutely. So how did your family feel about when you were getting into racing? I know the, kind of the, the inherent, um, dangers or cautions, I can say that sure. come with that sport. What was, what was that like? Well, my mom, uh, she was
1: supportive, but she, she could never watch. She was always really nervous, nervous about I'd it and yeah, make her and make her sick to her stomach. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. Um, you know, and, and my dad's always been very supportive, but you know, it, yeah. I, they always said, you know, if I, if I love it and I work at it and I put in the work um, to make it happen, then um, they would support me obviously to a certain extent. Mm. Um, and then external, financial sources had to come into play but yeah that's that's definitely they've been very supportive and um it's a unique sport you know not every kid gets the opportunity to, to drive race carts absolutely you know and and uh definitely i i feel very um like i said very appreciative of that because man it was a big it was a huge um he had to sacrifice a lot my dad did you know to give up absolutely. a lot of his time to to be with his kid and driving a Driving a truck with a with a
0: trailer attached to it and a go kart inside it sounds kind of funny, but yeah, it, it, it made it in the end. That's awesome. So when you were left when you left UCF and you kind of made that transition, did you sit down and have a conversation with them? Did you was it a phone call? Like, hey, I'm gonna
1: no. this is the direction
0: I'm going in. The team was based in California, and it, it the schedule and. It,
1: the level of competition that that was at the time, I I couldn't be in, in UCF, uh, in Orlando going to school all the time. I'd miss way too much school. So at the time it was like, yeah, okay, well let's just, let's, let's move down this direction. Let's give this a shot and then I'll jump back over here if, if, you know, if some time clears up, but, um, it's been a full-time racing career since. So it's been, it's been good.
0: It's been a good thing. Absolutely. So we, um, being that you are, you have a full-time professional racing career, how do you juggle your, work life balance. This is something I ask everybody who has business, whether it's a business owner or um no matter what their field is, right. what, how do you how have you juggled work life balance? And is it different now than it was when you were first starting energy level that you had to put into it?
1: Yeah, I think once you get used to it, um you experience helps a lot. You know, you know, you 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 need to try and try and focus on the things that actually you can control. Mm-hmm. And uh that's been the big thing for me. I mean I have a like I said, I've got the world's best job. I think I I'm paid to drive race cars. I travel the world. It's not a bad living, yeah. And 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 I get time <laughs> off. You know, I get I get Monday, Tuesday off, Wednesday off, which I you know spend. Um, you know, you have to train for it. Obviously, you have to keep after your health, but um, it gives us a chance also to unplug because these race weekends are extremely pressure, you know, pressure packed. Um, big corporate sponsors, big teams, a lot of money, um, and results are what matters. So every weekend is. In racing, just like kind of the world of business is, you're only as good as your last race. Absolutely. You know, so you're always just pushing, pushing, pushing. You can never, you can never let up. It's always, you have to be evolving as a driver. You always have to be getting better. Um, you know, when you're
0: stagnant or not improving, you're, you're, you're falling behind, no doubt. So do you feel that pressure when you take a couple of days off and start to itch at you a bit? Like I need to get back out there. Or yeah, for just sure. Detach?
1: That's the hard part about it is you can only go so much, you know, because of the, uh, even to just. Turn the engine on. There has to be a Honda engineer plugged into it. Mm -hmm. Um, So we only get to do we only get to do so much testing. Seat time, as we call it. There's only so much seat time that you can get just because of um, the rules of the series and the cost constraints involved with it. So, um, but yeah, I mean, like I said, over the years, you get better at enjoying the downtime. Absolutely, getting yourself your batteries recharged because after a race weekend, um, it is it is pretty. Uh, depleting. I mean, every day, every minute of every day on a race weekend is accounted for for us as drivers um, from sponsor appearances, fan engagement events. Unlike stick and ball sports, professional stick and ball sports Mm -hmm. like football, baseball, basketball. On our race day, we're actually we're doing sponsor appearances, meet and greets and
0: autograph
1: stuff. Yeah, no. Um, So it's just a lot going on. You got to keep your blinders on. You have to be mentally able to constantly switch in and out of, you know, you don't want to seem like a robot either. Um, <laughs> and you have to, you have to engage with your, with your fan base and and with your you don't sponsors. don't have
0: like a couple same sentences I, that you say there to everybody, no. you know, so insert name here type situation. Yeah. You got to
1: keep the personality there. And uh, at, at the same time, you're getting ready to go to battle for, for two hours at 200, 200 plus miles an hour. So
0: definitely have to be able to compartmentalize that. Okay. Yeah. So your wife uh, is also, you said was, was into racing as well Mm -hmm. as what I read. How did you guys meet? We met, she was actually a, um, a reporter for the TV or for the,
1: for the network that was doing IndyCar races back in 2004. Uh, it was actually called champ car at that time. Um, but she was, uh, a reporter and we started talking and, um, I don't know. One thing led to the next. My mom started talking to her because my mom was at a race in Long Beach. And, um, yeah, I don't know. She, she definitely loves racing though. She comes from a racing family. Her, her family's mostly based off road racing, you Mm -hmm. know, in in California. And Becky did the, uh, the Baja 1000 and another race, I think the mint 400 in, in Nevada. Uh, but yeah, she, she knows her way around a racetrack. That's for sure. Do you think that helps? Yeah, (laughs) she gets it. Yeah. It helps that she comes from a racing family because she understands the uh, the time and the energy involved in putting forth, you know, maximum effort and how much I'm on the road. You know, we have three boys at home and she's she's at home now with them. So um, she definitely has a hard job herself.
0: Right. The, the, the harder one. Yeah, you know, for sure. Because I have a daughter. I know all about that. Yeah. So what do you when you, in your spare time? Uh, I read that you'd like to be on the water. Yeah. Is that kind of. The only relaxing activity that you like to do for the most part, is that your go-to? I mean, just keeping up with the kids when I'm at home is, is now that's that's taking on, that's taking on a life of its own. (laughs) Yes.
1: So uh, I like to get on the water, you know, doing some diving or fishing or whatever, um, down South Florida, just because that, that's like the polar opposite of racing. You know, you get to switch off mentally, which is, which is healthy. You need that. You need to, you need to kind of spend some time no matter what you do in life away from what you do. As a li- for a living. So um yeah, it gives me uh some good mental clarity. But yeah, the kids' schedule now is getting more and more with sports and you what know. What are their ages? So it's six, four, and two. Oh uh, right. All boys. And stepping Oh man. You're right there. It's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> they're always going at it. Uh it's all good, it's all fun. But um I I have anxiety when I think about sports, what they're gonna do for Yeah, yeah I was gonna and, ask
0: you that. How do you guys, if they come to you and and they say, Hey, See what dad does. Um, I want to get into the car also. What does dad say to them then? I hope they don't do it, man. It it was so tough. (laughs) so
1: tough making it. um, I have, my oldest right now is just practicing in a go-kart just because he really, you know, he's interested in it. And my dad, grandpa bought him uh, a go-kart to mess around in. So he's, 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 yeah, he's become very interested in it. And it's good fun. I love sharing something I love with my kids. You know, Mm -hmm. it's always special no matter what it is, but Yeah, I don't know. That's gonna be that's gonna be financially crippling if all three of my kids want to try and (laughs) pursue a racing career. So, do you have a sport
0: that you would like? Like you say, hey, maybe you get into baseball, maybe you get into golf. Nice, you can't go wrong with that. Golf, I I like golf. Yeah. So, what what other sports are you into besides golf? uh, That you are you sports fan in general? Yeah, big football fan. Um, Who's your team?
1: I grew up during uh, the Marino era, the oh, Miami Dolphins. Oh, huh? Oh, man, it's been brutal since, It's though. been, yeah. Jeez, yeah, it's and it's getting worse. and everything else. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm good friends with uh, Ryan Tannehill as well, so he's headed to Nashville now. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you guys have
0: Fitzpatrick coming in? Yeah. Or is that, is that, so
1: Fitzpatrick's yeah. coming in there? Yeah. <sighs> I, mean, I don't know, man. I don't know. I, mean, I just, you know, the Dolphins, maybe they'll be good when, when my kids are in high school or something
0: like that, <laughs> is that, is that what you're itching <laughs> for? The is that the, the long game That's here, the so to speak? That's the long game, yeah. Okay. So your next race is, is upcoming Sunday, April 7th. Mm-hmm. Um, and you've been, you've done this race a few times before and you finished second last year. Is there something special that you do to prepare for this particular race versus other races? Is it the tracks? Is it the, the area, the weather?
1: Yeah, it, it depends on weather for sure. We've won there twice. Um, and it's a different type of racetrack. It's uh, a lot of elevation changes. So the mm-hmm. setup, uh, when I say the setup, I mean uh, the 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 settings on the car the aerodynamic settings, the shock damper settings the ride heights, and all that stuff is is unique to this track and that's we prepare based on our history there you know, so that's a good thing like i said experience wise i've been there before I know how to attack the track from my perspective and what I need from the race car, so we basically pick off pick it up there from uh on practice from practice one mm-hmm. and we 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 dial we try and dial in the car to what the track needs um but yeah weather conditions can can definitely Throw, throw a curveball. Last year we raced in the rain the whole way through. So, really, yeah.
0: So what makes them call a race? Because is it have to, the conditions have to be horrible for right. them to really? So yeah, it has horrible. to be.
1: Yeah, lots of standing water to to call a race. Well, last year we we started the race in pouring down rain and we had to stop it because cars were just hydroplaning too much. Gotcha. And then the next day we came back and raced, started in the dry, and then it rained again. Mm-hmm. Um, but we do race in the rain. It's just a matter of how much standing water there is. You know, these cars are, are less than an inch off the ground. So if you get too much
0: water, they are actually boats. You wow. know what I mean? Yeah, so you got to be careful with that. Yeah. So when, in football, you know, they watch a lot of film to prepare right. for it, mm-hmm. to prepare for games and stuff like that. How do you, is it the same in racing? Are you watching film or you guys have notes from previous races? Cause I know you said you've been on this track before and that helps. Yeah. Um, are you referencing past video footage or what yeah, are you doing? All of it. Um,
1: we have up to three engineers per car. There's a lot of data acquisition that's going on. So we, we it, it there's, sensors that that log all types of information how how much the shocks move the speed of the car the the the, the pressure of the brakes the, where the throttles applied and we mat- put all that into basically a plot and then you can go through and analyze different parts of why you know we need to get on the throttle a little bit sooner here we need to break later there we need to roll more speed here Mm -hmm. and combine all that with in-car camera footage and watching tape and watching um film from last year the races you know years prior the tendencies on the starts where guys put the cars where they end up coming out of the corner yeah we spent a lot of time on that do you usually have the same opponents or is it different depending on the race usually the same um week in and week out it's usually the same 24 25 cars drivers for the five hundred. we have 33 starters there so there's a lot more uh cars on track at the five hundred. but that's the, that's the only one where there's additional mm-hmm. a big a big surplus in cars yeah
0: so the Indy is is massive how did you were you nervous going into that because you didn't win it the very first time you did it but no. i noticed that um the nerves of me would be, well, I have nerves going 80. We've already discussed this it's on the highway. <laughs> yeah. But it, um, I would imagine the nerves on such a massive event like that. Can you explain? Yeah, there's that's just like?
1: so much build up to it. Um, you know, it, there's the pressures there because, you know, the stakes of winning it are huge. And um, it it's a career changer. I mean, when you win the Indy 500, Absolutely. you're either an Indy 500 winning driver or you're not. So absolutely, there's a lot of pressure there, and there's a lot of uh, nerves involved. And then you come out on race day, and you see 350,000 people <laughs> packing into one spot. <laughs> That's a
0: massive this amount stands, of people. Yeah,
1: it's the biggest single-day sporting event in the world, and you can see why. You, you come out onto the front stretch, and you look, as far as you can see, it's people and stands. I mean, it's nuts. Um, and you're going around on the formation laps getting ready for the green flag and you're looking around and it's just, it's walls of people on either side of the racetrack. It's, it's a very cool feeling. It's, um, uh, something that, uh, I feel very lucky to be a part of just the fact that I've been able to race the ND 500,
0: let alone win it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that was your very, your very first time there. What were your thoughts? Uh, just, you know, how much I'd watched it as a kid. Was it you overwhelming? Know? Oh yeah,
1: for sure. Overwhelming. I had a big, I had a big crash in qualifying mm-hmm. that year too. Um, so The speedway is, uh, is something else. It doesn't owe anybody anything. And I I got, (laughs) I got smacked pretty, pretty good right away. So she let me know she was there and it, um, but we had a good race, one rookie of the year the first year. Nice. Um, and it was, yeah, it's just amazing how much goes into that event and everybody drives just a bit harder at that race too. I mean, everybody's on full tilt. You know, yeah, because so.
0: I think once you've won, you've won forever. Like you're yeah. you'll be forever in Indianapolis 500 winner. And that must be an awesome feeling.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It puts your face on the trophy
0: too, which is Did really, really, cool. yeah. Why yeah. doesn't every sport do that? I guess I you know. have to have like several trophies at that point. Yeah. So, you know, it's pretty awesome to me. So. You dropped number twenty-eight. Can you tell me what that number represents to you?
1: Yeah, twenty-eight is uh, the twenty-eight million represents the twenty-eight million people worldwide fighting cancer. I, when I first came to the team, I was number thirty-seven because that's what the sponsor wanted. IZOD. Um, when I switched to DHL sponsorship, we had the opportunity to change the number, and we thought that was a good fit. Um, because the year prior, I had just started racing for cancer in my charity, so uh-huh. it all tied in together, and it's been a great run. We've we've you know used motorsports, IndyCar racing, as our platform um, to raise to raise funds, and um, so what year was it that you
0: started racing for cancer? what year was that? Yeah,
1: twenty ten. My mom, 2010? I lost my mom to cancer in, in two thousand nine. Mm-hmm. Kind of came out of nowhere, you know, colon cancer. That's why you got to get screened. Got to get screened early because uh, if you catch it early. It's it's one of those uh, forms of cancer that, that you could beat, um, but she caught it too late, stage four. So I really wanted to do something about it, and just you know, raise money, but raise awareness as well. And um, to date, I think we've raised close to seven million. Oh, that's so, impressive. Yeah, that's and, awesome. And yeah, so we've we've done a lot, and um, hopefully we won't have to do this anymore in the future. That'd be great if, right. if there's, if there's a cure for cancer. Uh, but the, I think that right now the closest thing to a cure is, is prevention, you know, getting screened early and, and being proactive.
0: Is that kind of like where your focus is? Kind mm-hmm. imagine when you start these foundations, there's tends to be specific focuses. Yeah, sure. Uh, that was the
1: focus. Absolutely. And then,
0: you know, we, we teamed
1: up with auto nation as well because mm-hmm. they had a big cancer. They have a big cancer presence, um, uh, fighting cancer and we teamed up with them and just, man, just started gaining so much momentum. I mean, uh, it, it's, it's amazing what we've been able to put together, um, a cancer research side of it, pediatric cancer, um, mm-hmm. Cleveland clinic opened up a world-class cancer facility down there in South Florida. And that was a problem. When my mom was diagnosed. It was like, man, I was straight to Google and like, what do we do? And we got to go visit this doctor over here and that doctor over there and absolutely two hour drive north, three hour drive South. It was, it was a mess. And uh, that's the great thing about the, the Cleveland clinic cancer center down there and Cleveland clinic um, in Cleveland, in Nevada and Toronto is that it's one-stop shop, you know, really? you get everything in one place and there's special, special, specialized treatment for every different type of cancer pretty much. So that now it's the Lydia Hunter Ray lobby there, um, which is really cool. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So that's awesome. And, and really where that sank home to me is had that been her there when she was fighting the disease, it would have been, um, a much more efficient process. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: So how often do they recommend screening? Because they say, man, we don't go until it's like we're on our deathbed pretty much. So how yeah. often do they recommend screening? It's I think it's every five to ten
1: years. Um, okay. But what you want if, – if you have a family history, you want to go as soon as I, – I already did a, a colonoscopy. I'm, I'm, I'm 38, but mm-hmm. I did it like five years ago. Okay. Um, they say you should do it by 40. Okay. Um. The old number used to be fifty years old, but that's too late. Um, so I would I would definitely recommend, no matter what, getting a full panel done, and especially the colonoscopy side of it. Um, by the time you're forty,
0: okay. And yeah. you say
1: about every five to ten years it's yeah, over There five years. I would go five. Yeah, five to ten. But it's uh, like I said, if you catch something early like that, it, it's it's most times it's, it's treatable. It's when it becomes. Um, stage three or four when it starts spreading to mm-hmm. to other areas of the body when it becomes almost impossible to uh, you know to beat. So,
0: well, it's awesome to be uh, getting ahead of that. It must be so rewarding to be a part of something like that. That's just so important. Yeah, to you. absolutely. And it's you know so many people have been touched by cancer and and how horrible the disease is. So, so the last question here I would have for you is Ryan. Anybody who's looking to get in to professional sports, racing, everything. Is there anything that you found out about about it while you were in it that you could share with the audience? Is there anything that you didn't foresee coming into it that now that you've been in it for a while that you kind of realized? I think maybe a couple of things. You have to think of it as a business. You have to think of it as the fact
1: that you are investing in yourself um, and what you stand for and your brand and um, you know the amount of work you're going to put into it um but you have to be you have to be passionate about what you're pursuing you can't be in love with the idea of being a race car driver you have to be in love with the idea of or you have to be in love with the the sport itself and the passion for winning and the passion for being better you know a lot of people want to say they're you know oh, I'm a professional football player soccer player baseball player race car driver but it has to be so much deeper than that the drive has to be so much deeper Um, in order for you to break through in those points of adversity, like we were talking about, when, Mm -hmm. when you feel like it's just not going to see its way through, that's when it makes a difference. If, if, if you want to be that professional on the surface level, or if you really want to be on a deeper level, I think that's when, that's when the
0: the real difference will come out. Awesome. That's great. Yeah. Well, I definitely appreciate you taking some time out of your busy schedule here. Absolutely, man. Anytime. Thanks for having me. You got it. That's Ryan Hunter Ray here on Regin ATL. You can check us out via Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Google Play. See you next time.